You're listening to Halford and Bruff. There's going to be no staples. There's going to be no pillars today. Frank the Tank. I'm going Frank the Tank. There you go. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes. In Vancouver, Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them. At 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sorefeet, what are you waiting for? It's a Kintech. We're not doing accents. I feel like I'm doing the hand. I know, but... For the dozens watching on the stream, I'm doing the hand. That is definitely a high number. Yeah, uh, that's true. Look, this was maybe, and I hate to say it this way, but the lamest sports weekend we've had in quite some time. It was just, just, just... Awful. Even the final round of Pebble Beach got rained out. It did? Yeah, it's done. Oh. Yeah. The final round they, they 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 just gave and it, it's fun it's funny too. It's funny. This is a this is a bit of a dad joke. There was a lot of wind at Pebble Beach and you know who won? They just gave him the championship after three rounds. Wyndham Clark. <laughs> Wyndham was very good. I don't get it. In the wind. Use the sound effects. <laughs> no, I won't. It's too early for the wind sound effect. It's never too early, but we'll I can't believe along. you guys are slandering the NHL All-Star game like this. Oh, yeah. Oh, one you the, can't one, believe One it? of the greatest sports we'll, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk about that in just a sec. Briefly. Uh, the show today. Three guests for your listening pleasure. Uh, begins at 6.30. David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host. As mentioned. Yeah, we can talk about the All-Star game with him. He's yeah. there. We have one question about the All-Star game. Is it over? And then we'll move along to other things. <laughs> the, you know what? For the, the, there was a good takeaway from All-Star Weekend because they used it as a platform to announce the international calendar. Right. So that's pretty cool. And the Four Nations tournament, so we can talk to David about that. And, of course, the NHL is back underway tonight. No rest for the weary. Uh, two games tonight, the Islanders and the Leafs, and then the Avs and the Rangers. So David Amber at 6.30, 7.30. Mike Tannier, our NFL insider here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We will begin our week-long look at the Super Bowl with Mike starting today. Uh, we, we're not going to do one of those things where we book an NFL guest every single day of the week. I feel like Jason and I can handle a lot of the prep, but we will have multiple NFL guests on this weekend as we look forward to Sunday's big football game. There's a Clayton Public House reference in there for later. Uh, Mike Tannier is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Kevin Woodley, uh, in Goal Magazine, NHL.com. Uh, we will do a sort of hybrid look at the Canucks. Goaltending stories from around the NHL did poor goaltending lead to Todd McClellan's dismissal in Los Angeles. We'll talk to Woodley about that. And finally, but perhaps most importantly, we are back to giving things away, good things, prizes, to our listeners. Uh, Every day this week, we are giving away a pair of three-day tournament passes to 
the HSBC Rugby Sevens. It's a three-day rugby extravaganza at BC Place from February 23rd to 25th. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with the event, it's a lot of fun. It is a nonstop frenzy of rugby over the three days. People dress up funny. You can dress up like Mario and Luigi or... Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, whoever you want to dress up like, it's 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 encouraged. And you, you had go, me at Mary on Luigi. You go almost every year, Jason. Mm-hmm. It's one of your favorite sporting events on it. the calendar. Yeah, it's yep. a lot of fun. So uh, that's going to go to the best what we learned. Dunbar number text line is six fifty six fifty hashtag wwl, and we're putting a what are we doing for the emoji? We're doing a Canada. Yeah, emoji? Yeah. It's the Canadian stop of the Rugby Sevens Tour, so Canadian flag. Canadian flag emoji. Just like on your bumper sticker. Uh, do that, and you will be entered into a grand prize contest to win a pair of uh, tickets to the three-day tournament pass to the HSBC Rugby Sevens. Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. What we learned over the last 72 hours in sports. Uh, working in reverse on the guest list real quick. 8 o'clock, Kevin Woodley. 7.30, Mike Tannier. 6.30, David Amber. That is what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.com. CA. We will begin with the Vancouver Canucks. Speaking of not wasting any time getting back into action, the Vancouver Canucks practiced on Sunday, basically 24 hour, hours away from the all-star extravaganza in Toronto. The Canucks got back at it uh, in rally, and the biggest question, of course, was where would newly acquired Elias Lindholm play? Well, the answer, he is now a winger. Playing alongside Elias Pettersson, his new center, and Ilya Mikheyev on the, I guess, second line. Although I don't like to put numbers on lines anymore because they're all first lines in my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in your heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tockett was saying that he he actually gave the option to the guys that were all at the All-Star game to uh, take the practice off yesterday. They practice, I think, at 6 o'clock local time, and they might practice again today before playing the Carolina Hurricanes on Tuesday and the guys are like, "Are you crazy? Like, I'm I'm not taking the option. We got we got a good thing going here." So he was he was happy to um, hear that and see he had a full squad out there. Linus Carlson got called up. He was one of the extras, and so was Phil DiGiuseppe and Mark Friedman. But everyone wanted to talk about um, Elias Lindholm and how he was going to fit in. And Rick Tockett was kind of like the rest of us, where he's like. Yeah, I mean, imagine he's going to play with PD to start, but who knows? And one of the things he was saying is that there's a lot of time to work out different line combinations. Um, there's a lot of different times to experiment, and there are some tough games coming up. Mm-hmm. And with tough games come tough matchups. And Laddie, here's here's Rick Tockett on um, how he can now deploy. Uh, Elias Lindholm in many, many different ways. Uh, I like situational hockey. I think you have to have situational hockey uh, going forward. Um, there's going to be some matchups uh, coming up here. Um, so if I can have Lindy play low sometimes, if PD's last guy to come out of the run, 
that's a hybrid for me. Um, I think Lindholm's a really good centerman, and I got him on the wing, so I'm, I don't know if I'm going to keep him on the wing. I, I got to feel comfortable with myself because I know he's a very good centerman. Um, I know Petey plays well at center. Sometimes I throw him on the wing, so uh, we'll see how that goes. And I'm, I know, I'm not even sure if that's the line. I'm just saying right now we're going to try to implement it very slowly and um, interchangeable parts. Millsy can play the wing sometimes too. You know, we have uh, Suter can play the wing. You know, so we've got a lot of different centermen that can play the wing. So a lot of centers. It's a good problem to have. Basically, yeah. the Canucks are like every Canadian Olympic team where they have to ask some guys that regularly play center to bump to the wing. They're yeah. probably actually better than the Canadian Olympic team, the way things have been going. You'd have to say so. Everything has been going it's gonna be pretty well for the, <laughs> for the Canucks. Looks um, like we got our video for the day. Um, remember, their last game before the All-Star break was a 5-4 win in overtime over the Columbus Blue Jackets in which they fell behind 4-1, to one, went into the third period, came back, won the game. Um, and now they start off with a pretty tough test Yeah, with a five-game road trip that starts in Carolina, then goes to Boston on Thursday, and then back-to-back games in... Just the worst back to back. Early start times in Detroit, in Washington, Just Washington, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, so that's going to actually going to be a great sports watching day for Vancouver sports fans. You get a Sunday morning of the Canucks and the Capitals, and then pretty much straight into the pre Super Bowl festivities. So uh, pace yourself if yep. you're at a party. Uh, and then the road trip wraps up Tuesday in Chicago. So you're looking at it and you're going, okay, well, Carolina and Boston are both going to be really tough games. Detroit is going to be a tough game. And then you got to play tired in Washington. Sure, you might be looking at Chicago and going, yeah, we'll probably win them or we should better win then. Um, but that's, you know, the final game of a road trip. Then the Canucks are back home for a couple uh, against Detroit and Winnipeg. Then they go out to go out on the road again for three more against Minnesota, Colorado, and Seattle. And it kind of kind of brings this question to my mind. Um, is this when the adversity is going to strike Potentially. for the Canucks? I guess they've passed all sorts of tests, but this is another one. But you know what's kind of funny? In the back of my mind, I kind of want some adversity for this team. Like, I, I, I know... It's a, it's a weird thing to say, and I know they have had a few things go not quite their way. You know, Kuzmenko individually struggled before he was traded. Uh, Susie has had um, a couple of injuries himself. But overall, as a team, remember, this is a team that has only lost two straight twice and has yet to lose three straight and in the back of my mind, you know, like how there are teams like the Boston Bruins last season that go through the entire season and everything's going well for them and they get to the playoffs and like they strike adversity and they don't really know how to deal with it. And then they're out in the first round. Like, I just don't want that to happen to the Canucks. Maybe I'm being ridiculous. Maybe I'm, you know, f- thinking of things to go wrong just because well, I'm a lifelong Canucks fan. But I can see the Canucks. Like, I can see like, like, you know, like instinctual Jason Canucks fan is like, they're going to finish this entire regular season like with no adversity and then get swept in the first round. Well, it'll be like, like the, Bruin, the Bruins last year. That's, well, yeah, that's what I literally fear. just said that. It'll be like, oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm paying yeah. attention. Yeah, now, that is totally my fear as well. I agree with him completely. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the Bruins of last year because that Bruins team, you know how many uh, three-game losing streaks or more that they suffered last year? 
one. Yeah. And it was a three-game losing streak in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. And then you know when their only other three-game losing streak of the season happened was <laughs> yeah. in the first round against uh, Florida. After they went up 3-1? Yeah. That was it. <laughs> and now you can't really, I mean, it's unfair to say, like, well, they didn't have any experience in dealing with adversity. But in a certain way, you're almost talking about some beyond the ice type things like the, the karmatic experience of, oh, well, we've gone through our hard times and we've come out the other side and every team goes through a spell. That's what everyone says, yeah. right? Every team goes through a spell. Remember when the, the Tampa Bay Lightning lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets in the opening mm-hmm. round of the playoffs? What was the refrain there from John Cooper? He's like, we just happen to have our worst stretch of the season <laughs> in the opening round of the playoffs. Like we didn't get it out of our system. Yeah. And this is all very very like again i talk about karma and you know the hockey gods and getting the bad mojo out and everything but it exists it exists in some way shape or form it exists in your mind maybe a little bit and sometimes that but no that can happen here's the thing no team wants to go and go and go and go and in the back of their mind have well we haven't hit that that road bump yet we haven't hit that skid stretch of bad luck or whatever you know i'll say this at the onset of the season i remember just what just one serious injury to a star player is that too much to ask for when one of my or like like a secondary guy well they've already had that with susie right uh tertiary guy anyway um It, when, when the schedule came out at the beginning of the year, everyone looked at the seven-game road trip to start 2024 as the big challenge of the year, right? Mm-hmm. It was pretty obvious. It was a seven-game swing, and you looked at the time, that run where they had to go through uh, New Jersey, New York, New York, and they're like, that's really tough. And they passed it with flying colors. Might have been the best hockey they've played all year. This is actually probably tougher because they are playing eight of their next ten on the road. Mm-hmm. So that's a, I know you get a gap where you come home and you actually, you're playing Detroit twice in seven days, which is some awfully interesting scheduling. But the two home games are against Detroit, who's a playoff team right now in the East, and Winnipeg, who's mm-hmm. one of the best teams in the West. So if you're and then looking, you got to go on the road and play a team like Colorado. Right. You go Minnesota, Colorado, Seattle. I mean, say what you will about Minnesota, they're not very good. But Seattle's on the fringes of the playoffs, and Colorado's one of the best teams in the West. And that's another early start time, Monday, 11 a.m. our time. So a family day for us. And what is that for the U.S.? President's Day? I don't know. I think it is President's Day. Anyway, point being, uh, you could very well make the argument that this is the toughest stretch of the season coming up. This 10-game stretch right out of the All-Star break might end up being it. Now, I'm not saying they're not up for the challenge. As a matter of fact... I don't know if this was Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford's plan when they acquired Elias Lindholm when they did, but it sure is interesting that the biggest prize maybe at the NHL's annual trade deadline got picked up over a month in advance, and they did it prior to the deadline. And they're coming out of this deadline going Carolina, who's the fourth best team in the East, Boston, who's the second best team in the East. Those are two really stiff challenges right off the hop. And I don't know if you noticed the kind of hockey that those two teams were playing going into the break. Like the Carolina team, remember when Carolina came here in December Mm -hmm. and they lost 4-3? Yeah. And then the Canucks broke them in half. They were leaky. They had a players-only meeting afterwards? Mm -hmm. Well, that one worked. Because they were 14-12-1 after they lost that game. Since then, they're 14-3-1. And two. Well, they're a team that plays to its system when it's playing well, and if they get goaltending, they are really good. I like so, some of the texts coming into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Steven North Sandwich, has there not been enough adversity in the past 10 freaking years? And another one, we got our adversity out of the way last year. Guys, this is kind of tongue-in-cheek that we're doing this thing. There's um, always new adversity. You know, uh, I just wonder, I just wonder 
if it's going to strike and, and in what way, and part of this is being a Canucks fan, like waiting for the other shoe to drop, because I think we can all admit that this season has gone so remarkably well that we're still kind of in shock. Like we just watched an all-star game um, where the Canucks had five player representatives, their head coach, who's probably the leading candidate to be coach of the year, and they had just made a trade for a guy who happened to be going to the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's been an amazing, amazing season, and I hope it continues. I'm not expecting this thing to come crashing to a halt, but, you know, we got to maintain our brand here. We're all still Canucks fans, and we know what goes on. With the Canucks, um, we'll the talk way, a little. We'll talk a little bit more about the All Star Game with David Amber. Um, we didn't talk about it at all, really. But but uh, a dog, we're going to need you here um, for. Okay, I'll tell you what my All Star experience was this weekend. Okay. I was kind of excited is too strong a word for the skills competition, but I was kind of intrigued for the skills competition because I thought. Oh, this might be better with just, you know, how many other guys, how many, they have 12 guys or something competing in it. Yes. And I thought, okay, it'll maybe be a little more streamlined. Maybe it'll be more competitive. Like the guys will be super intense and they'll want to show off. Um, I watched the fastest skater competition. I always love seeing McDavid skate. I just think it is absolutely incredible. The other guys, too. I love watching it when they um, have it in slow motion and you can see the guy's strides. And, you know, it, it's just like it just amazes me because I was sure. always such a bad skater when I played. I still am. So I love watching guys skate. And Did you see the overlay where they had the ghosted view of all the yeah. players against McDavid, yeah, and he was good. just clearing yeah. the pack? I mean, like, McDavid, unbelievable. McDavid, stuff. McDavid is 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 incredible. I, I I his his speed is something I've you know, and his talent it's 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 really incredible. And then so I was like, Feels wow, like there's a butt coming here. There's a huge butt coming. Um, and then they went right into uh, they went right into the one-timer competition. One time. Where they were, um, you know, they had targets on the net or whatever, and I was like, four points if you go bar down or three points if you go here. And I was like, eh. And then I, like, quickly got so bored with it. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't – I this is practice. This that I, I can see this in every warm-up. If I go to a, an NHL game, like, yeah, it might not be quote-unquote competitive, but I don't need to see the best players in the world take a soft one-timer at a net with points in it. Like, I, it just, this is Plinko on, on ho- in, in hockey. I actually enjoy Plinko more because it's more random. It's true. Um, and I checked out. I was done. You know, and then I followed along a little bit with social media, and people were like, oh, Kucherov is getting booed. And so I, you and didn't I, see the one on one. And you missed the one on one. I did not go back. Okay, because there were I did a not couple go back highlights towards to the end. The All Star Weekend. Okay, I did not watch any of the games. So that and, and listen, I just determined, hey, this isn't for me, and that's fine. Let's do a, ca- a point counterpoint here. So Jason Bruff has made his statements and feelings known on the All Star Game. Now we turn our attention to 13 year old Andy Cole, Hello. who loves the All Star Game. And love loves is the a fest- strong word. Is it? It's a bit of a bit. But uh, tell, me, tell me your. Thing. I'm not going to disagree with him on a couple of the. Uh, events like the one he was mentioning, also that passing one where they just pass into the numbers. 
those were incredibly boring. Like, I was almost, like, changing the channel up. I was like, I do not care about this. It is so dumb. The players seem checked out. But then towards the end, it got a bit better. The one-on-one where the players pick the goalies they go up against, that was a lot of fun. It was actually quite entertaining. Uh, this, the uh, Why was it entertaining? Just because the, guy, the guys looked like they cared, and they yeah. made some good moves, some good saves. It was fun. It was They seemed to be having fun with it. The idea itself was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seemed a little more involved in, in it, I guess. In Who terms picked of- Demko? Oh, that's a good question. You picked Demko. But it wasn't a Canuck. I, no, no, Miller, no, no, no. Miller, Miller, you're, you're not allowed to pick your own teammate. Yeah. Oh, Miller, Miller picked Swayman, right? And that was a, that was a thing because yep. then Demko snubbed Swayman yes. when he tried to give him a hug. I yeah. saw all that. And then the uh, there was the obstacle course at the very end to fi- finish it off. And that was fun as well. Like That's a, that's always cool. I to saw McDavid run through that and he like blew away. Oh, yeah. And, and that's also awesome because it's like McDavid obviously won the event. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, and he was just—he showcased how much better he is at this kind of stuff than almost everybody else. It's just I love—I love the people that were like, uh, he rigged it so he could win it. It's like he rigged it by being an amazing hockey yeah, player. Yeah, by being That's how he that much it. better. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say the skills comp was great by any means. It was mm-hmm. very average, but I would say it was better than previous years. That's a very low bar. Uh, but I will say the game itself, or at least two of the three games, mm-hmm. were ultimately pretty enjoyable. Like the the one the Canucks played against the Leafs, which was pretty much all it was right uh they actually looked like they care they were actually trying out there the final game was actually quite enjoyable again the players looked like they wanted to play for a bit of pride <laughs> the one i saw that i saw the replay the first of game Petey's was probably goal. the most boring i saw the replay of Petey's goal from frank vetrano and everyone was like we got to get frank vetrano yep. too but like come on come on a dog like no one was playing defense on that well of course not it's the all-star game but you know that yes, i mean that's not competitive no, but that's the, the all-star game the goalies were that's com- how they, they do it the goalies were competitive there is very little defense in the All-Star game, if any. And but that's, people, but I don't people, think that's ever going to change. In this but but I saw people being hit. like, this brought the All-Star game back. There was like intensity out there. And then I flip on the highlights and I'm like, guys are standing around defensively. And no, that, that's, not, I, that's not intense. I wouldn't call it intense. I would say it was the players are trying as much as they possibly could have in that situation to play with a bit of pride. But it was... <laughs> In no way intense, as, in as any way whatsoever. Just as much as possible to yeah. Well, to given the get situation, exactly. Give that. So I'm here, so I don't get fined, kind of thing. You know, like it's it, given the situation, it was probably as good as it could have been, unless they completely overhauled the format. Except for Nikita Kucherov. Except well, no, but he in the game itself. He was he. I think he got the first goal of the tourney, like yeah, the actual yeah, yeah. game. He was actually. He was actually trying out there for the games, but no, he was awful at the skills comp. He did not we want to. Be I, I I watched uh, Monsieur Spade on AMC. I had those uh, on uh, on my PVR. It's about uh, Sam Spade, the old private detective. Uh, no, no, <laughs> Monsieur Spade. Uh, uh, it's about Sam Spade, um, who goes to France to essentially retire. And he he runs into a case, um, and it's and it was very good. I had a bunch a of, of capers up on the PVR. Um, not so much capers. It's Clive Owen, Owen though. So oh, like, cool. yeah, he, it was Great class. Yeah, it's it's it, that Are was you sipping tea while you're watching. That was yeah. I was, it was I was definitely not watching the All Star game. I was watching that. I chose I chose the weekend to watch things other than sports. Some of the players were watching that on the bench. Actually. <laughs> yeah, they were like, Have you seen this monster spade. Uh, okay, before we go to break, I do want to mention the probably the biggest news of the weekend, uh, at least on a personal level the world cup announcement was yesterday and this is where the world cup games are going to be played in 2026 as everybody knows the fifa world cup is being held in the u.s mexico and canada and guess what vancouver we're getting seven count them seven matches 
One more than stupid Toronto. Take that, Toronto. You only get six. 13 matches combined in the Pacific Northwest between the seven being held in Vancouver at BC Place and the six being held in Seattle at Lumen Field. Uh, two Canada matches as well, which is just terrific, and possibly a third or even a fourth, depending on how far they go into the knockout stages. <laughs> and a lot of people are already like, who are they going to play? Is like, we don't know. There's yeah. three qualified teams for this uh, tournament right now, and that are the three hosts, Canada, U.S., and Mexico. It is going to be a newer well, it's just going to be a bigger tournament. Yep. Well, there's, the format's significantly different. There's, there's 48. Now, yeah. There's 48 teams. Yeah. So four groups of 12, and then 32 teams advance to the round of 32. 12 groups of four. Um, 12 groups of four, and then so you got the top two teams in each group, and then three, uh, or sorry, eight uh, of the best third-place teams. So Canada, I suppose, in theory, has a better chance to advance to the knockout stage, and if they do... The first two games will be at BC Place. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. That's yeah. This is definitely more than I expected the city of Vancouver and BC Place to get. Um, having two knockout stage games is awesome. So they get a round of 32 and a round of 16. Having a round of 16 game in the World Cup is awesome. Um, and then you look Especially at, if Canada could play in it. I mean, I'm not particularly optimistic about it. Well, who knows? It's but, you so know, far away. Canada, uh, I know we, we're going to get to bring and talk to David Amber a little bit more, but Canada has got a big game coming up against Trinidad and Tobago to qualify for Copa America, mm-hmm. and that is very, very important that they win that. Very important because with Copa America, they're going to actually play some really quality teams in um, a high-stakes, pressure, meaningful competition because they don't remember they don't have to qualify for this world cup so they're not going to have that intensity to qualify for the world cup they need to qualify for this tournament alfonso davies just got hurt yeah uh in a game for Bayern. so hopefully he's ready for that i think the trinidad and tobago games in like seven weeks and they're like uh could be like a month with davies so hopefully he's ready for that that's something that we can talk about later but um, David Amber is going to come up next, and we'll talk to him about the All-Star Weekend and the new Four Nations tournament and anything else in the NHL as the games pick up again after the All-Star break. Uh, a friendly reminder that if you want uh, reservations to the big football game this Sunday, February 11th at the Clayton Public House, Visit them online, theclaytonpub.com. You can catch all the actions there on 15 screens and two giant projectors. The Clayton Public House, good food, good people, good times. There's a huge butt coming. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Six thirty-two on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. Visit them at eleven seventy Powell Street in Vancouver. To the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline, we go. It's your first call. It's the only call, although we're going to use it three times today. Joining us now, David Amber, Hockey Night Canada, Sportsnet NHL host here 
on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, David. How are you? Good, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? We're good. It was a very busy and eventful weekend for you, hosting everything at All-Star Weekend. Let's start with the good stuff here, David. Uh, what did you think of All-Star Weekend? What worked for you over the past 72 hours? I really think the NHL did a good job revamping the skills competition. You know, listen, it wasn't perfect. I still think it went a little long. It was three hours. Um, I think they want to package it closer to two and a half hours. But at the end of the day, you know, talking to the players, they were into it. Talking to the fans, they seemed really engaged and into it. Um, you know, all the goofy gimmicks that just weren't working were falling flat in all the previous years. They got rid of all of that. And as Connor McDavid said, it was, you know, let's try and showcase the speed, the skill, the stick handling, the shooting. And at the end of the day, I think the NHL accomplished that. And having a bird's eye view of it, I hope it translated well on TV. But being right there, you know, watching uh, the obstacle course, which ultimately, you know, declared Connor McDavid the winner, uh, you know, the, it was showcasing all the different skills and it was at a really high level. So, I think that was probably the highlight because it was such a disaster last year. I just remember leaving Florida last year and going, oh, my God, that was that was horrific. And, and a lot of people felt the same way. It just was kind of rock bottom. And they revamped it. I think they did a good job. So I would say that the skills to me were, were really uh, the biggest difference. And yesterday I thought was pretty cool, too. The guys were into it. They were working hard. Or Saturday, sorry, the game. And uh, we had some competitive games, some great goaltending, and I thought that was a, a pretty nice showcase as well. What's it like to see McDavid so close up? Um, the speed and I mean, the skill, like, it's, it is next level. I mean, so many of the guys, my real takeaway is the amount of skill out there, like, even top to bottom. I know McDavid's on a whole nother level, but... Man, you know, even the 44th All-Star, just the skill level, how they can move the puck and, and shoot the puck. It's, it's so impressive, right? Because there was no hitting. It, it's three on three. There's lots of open ice. It really is. You're just like wowed a little bit with the, with the bigger ice and the skill level. It was cool. McDavid's on another. He's just on a whole other plane, though. I mean, who was it? Was it Barzell that had a really good time? I can't even remember now. I think it was Barzell who had mm-hmm. a really good fastest lap, and then McDavid just just blew it away. He's just, yeah, he's he's nice level, guys. I mean, I really hope, and I've said this before. I, I hope, you know, I just hope we appreciate what we're watching. Um, you know, when all is said and done, guys, I'm pretty confident Connor McDavid will have the second most points in NHL history. Uh, I just, he's that good. He's that good, and now that the rules have sort of created a bit more scoring opportunity uh and he's on a team with other stars uh, you know Connor mcdavid is is a generational talent for sure and it, it's it's cool to see him showcasing his skills this weekend yeah we just need to see him play in some big games <laughs> like which he's yeah. never he's never seriously he's never really done he's never really done you know he's never been to the stanley cup final he's never played in the olympics so what do you think about this new international calendar that they've got, including the Four Nations tournament. But just to start off, actually, when will the next All-Star game be? Because if it's the Four Nations tournament next year, then the Olympics the year following, are they even going to have All-Star games anymore? Or is it just going to be every second year after the 2026 Olympics? Well, Gary Bettman in his news conference did say that next year the Four Nations face-off is replacing the all-star game but the following year even though there will be an nhl participation in the olympics there is still 
a possibility there is an all-star game. I don't think that's been determined yet. I, I'm under, I understand an ESPN's TV deal. Part of it was you would get an all-star game and they're, they'd have to figure that out, I guess, with ESPN, right? Cause ESPN's not the Olympic rights holder. So what are they, what are they going to get out of this? So there's a scenario, I guess, where you have an all-star game and somewhere on the East coast, because then you'd fly straight from there. The all-stars, most of them obviously would be in the Olympics, if not all of them, uh, from there they'd go off to Italy for the game. So you could have sort of a two or three day break followed immediately by the Olympic break, I suppose. Um, now that the Canucks and the Jets have made significant additions and now that the Flames and Habs have officially started selling, which Canadian team are you going to keep an eye on from a trades perspective coming out of the all-star break? Well, still Calgary. Um, you know, you obviously have to keep an eye on Toronto as well because I imagine they're going to do something and probably something significant. They have some cap space to play with. But the Calgary Flames, yeah, they had, you know, they had three massive trading uh, pieces and one of them's been dealt, but they still have, you know, Chris Tanev, who arguably would be the most coveted defenseman if they can't re-sign him. And, and Noah Hannafin obviously would be a very coveted defenseman as well. So the Calgary Flames... Uh, you know, to me, still hold a lot of cards on what's going to happen. Um, and the Toronto Maple Leafs is a team that clearly I, I expect to do something. It might be closer to March 8th, but I, I don't assume this is the roster they're going to run into the Stanley Cup playoffs with. What are, how are they thinking? The Leafs have been playing pretty well lately, haven't they? Well, they. I mean, it seems like years ago, but it was they had back-to-back wins against a very good Winnipeg Jet team. And that Saturday night game in Winnipeg, was arguably one of their best performances of the year. And most importantly, from a Leafs perspective, for the first time all season, they've had back-to-back-to-back solid showings by their goaltender, Ilya Samsonov. That's what they were expecting. You know, he had, I think, a 9-16 save percentage last year. There was a lot of optimism surrounding him. They went to arbitration. They didn't want to sign a long-term deal with him, so they put a bit of pressure on him to repeat last year's performance. And for the first, you know, two months, two and a half months of the season, it was an unmitigated disaster. I mean, it was a, a total train wreck, really. And the last three starts, it looks like he's found his way out of it. I hope for his sake and for the Leafs' sake, they don't lose that momentum from All-Star break. He'll be back in that tonight. We have them on Rogers Monday Night Hockey versus the Islanders. And we'll see if he can kind of pick up where he left off. So the Leafs were playing better, but most importantly, they were getting solid goaltending, which could obviously answer a lot of the problems surrounding the team. We're speaking to David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. I did want to ask you a couple of questions about, uh, given the fact that you were around all these players at All-Star Weekend, what mm-hmm. their reactions were to all the news and developments around them. First, I guess the biggest one from a local perspective was that the Vancouver Canucks just prior to the NHL All-Star game went out and made the huge acquisition of getting Elias Lindholm. How much did that reverberate through the players and the executives and coaches in attendance? Not just because the Canucks went out and landed the big fish but also because it kind of kicked off uh the trade deadline which is still a month away well you know who was most excited about the deal for the canucks was michael buble (laughs) (laughs) yeah he couldn't couldn't contain himself when i talked to him off camera like yeah what do you think of the lindo oh my god it's amazing i can't believe it it's unbelievable um so you know that might have been that might have been the shrooms talking or something but hey (laughs) he seemed pretty he seemed pretty into it um, you know, I, I did have a couple of conversations with some of the Canucks players and, and there was a level of excitement. I mean, I think they, you know, I, I think they see it as like, 
management said, you guys have earned this and we're going to, and we're going to stick to our word and we're going to try and put you guys in the best position to make a meaningful run. I, you know, Jim Rutherford, I was on your show last week, guys, and we talked about what's going to happen. And I said, the thing about Jim Rutherford is he doesn't wait for the market to develop. He creates the market and he's done that again. Love how aggressive Jim Rutherford in his history has been when he's making moves uh, and the management team seem to be, you know, a cohesive group who said, let's identify the player we're interested in and let's make a, a concerted effort to get that player there. And the Lindholm we've seen this year in Calgary is not the Lindholm I expect you guys to see in Vancouver. He is a very solid 200-foot player, Selkie finalist caliber player. And uh, it's just been an off year in Calgary for many, many players, and he's one of them. But I expect him to be much better, and I think it'll be a great addition, and I think it's pretty exciting for the Vancouver franchise. And when I spoke to some of the players there, uh, they agree. They're, they're pretty damn excited for the prospect of adding that quality of a player to a lineup. And he's also known as a really solid guy. The one thing I was expecting, though, guys, and I was hosting the, the draft, I was really expecting them to pick him yeah. early, like, you want to win over the new teammate, make them feel good, and they and they didn't ultimately. But I mean, you know, it was, it, there was a lot of moving parts there when you had the, the Hughes brothers and Patterson and and Buble all in in you know deliberation about what to do. He's got to earn it first, David. He's got to earn it on the ice <laughs> before he gets the loyalty. You just be, so no, he hasn't no, even like played played welcome. a game for them yet, and in practice, so you got to earn it first. Uh, no, no, welcome to the Wolfpack moment. But I was expecting that. I thought that would be sort of the the nice thing to do, but it didn't happen. He didn't seem overly bothered by it, though. Uh, I did want to ask you finally, before we let you go, about the players' reaction to, Jason was talking about this earlier, uh, the Four Nations tournament, this international tournament. So this is exclusively an NHL-NHLPA thing. As a matter of fact, yeah. all the players have to be, have to be under NHL contracts by the end of this year to be eligible for it. Now, I'm not saying that this was uh, something that they might have talked about, but I did notice that three of the top six scorers in the NHL currently like won't be at this thing. Like Nikita Kucherov, although based on his effort level at the All-Star game, maybe he doesn't want to participate <laughs> in any midseason events. Uh, and then you got David Pasternak won't be in it, and Artemi Panarin won't be in it. Now, that wasn't where I was going with this, but I'm just curious about the reception from the guys, I guess, that are going to be involved in this. How excited are they to get this thing going and get back into international competition? They're very excited. I um, I had a chance to sit down with um, Commissioner Bettman and NHL PA Executive Director Marty Walsh for, for one of the, the sort of uh, fireside sit-downs during All-Star Weekend. And one of the things Marty Walsh made clear, he just finished a B2 teams. He goes, he meets with the players and, you know, basically doesn't talk. He listens. What are you guys looking for? What do, do you want? And he said one of the number one things that was brought to his attention at all 32 stops was we want to get back to best on best. We want to put on our country's uniforms and represent our countries. And that was one of the main mandates he was given as the new executive director and this isn't perfect. You pointed out what a lot of people are going to say. Well, where's Leon Dreisaitl? Where's David Pasternak? Where's Nikita Kucherov, et cetera? Look, there's geopolitical issues at play here. Is this perfect? No. Is this as close to perfect as we can get under, you know, the current political climate? You know, according to Gary Bettman, you know, this is, this is a good compromise. You know, it wasn't all or nothing, but 
this is something to, to appease as many you know, hockey fans and players as possible and to bring best on best. So I think we have to just accept what it is. Uh, there will be some stars missing. But when I sat down and I talked to Nathan McKinnon about the prospect of playing with Sidney Crosby, when I sat down and talked to Austin Matthews about the prospect of going toe-to-toe against Connor McDavid, they all are very, very excited for this opportunity um, to a man. I didn't hear one player go, oh, brother, you know, mm. I'm not into this or who cares or whatever. They were all, yeah. I mean, there was a glimmer in Sidney Crosby's eyes. He missed the draft on Thursday. He was there on Friday and he wasn't participating in the skills except to do some passing drills. So I had a good chance to chat with him for a few minutes and just said, Sid, what do you think? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be really exciting, you know, like, this is what he lives for. I don't have to tell you guys that. We saw his greatest hockey moment, even though he's won three Stanley Cups, happened in 2010 in Vancouver. We know that. Uh, he wants more moments like that. So the prospect of Italy 2026 and the Four Nations face-off, which I do think is still pretty interesting, and maybe the biggest storyline we're going to play out between now and then is who the heck's going to be a net for Canada, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty good, and the players are very, very excited about it. So uh, listen, it's been eight years since we've done it, and we're now going to get some storylines we haven't had. We've never had McDavid versus Matthews, et cetera. We've never had, you know, Crosby and McDavid together. We've, you know, not really had Crosby or Nathan McKinnon together since 2015. Uh, this is going to be really good. David, this is great, man. Thanks a lot for doing this. We always appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. We get back in action tonight, and uh, we'll do this again next Monday. Yeah, we got Bo Horvat, Matty Barzell, some local boys, yeah. uh, and your former captain going up against the Leafs tonight. So hopefully you'll tune in. Uh, we will. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Yeah, uh, David Amber, Hockey Night Canada, Sportsnet NHL host here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I do want to talk a little bit more later on in the show about the Four Nations tournament and anything else you have on your mind. We do have an open segment coming up next. So. Text in any questions or comments you have into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. One question would be like, what did you watch this weekend? Did you did you watch much sports? Um, if it wasn't the All-Star game, what were you into? Um I know there was college basketball. I watched a bit of Duke in North Carolina. There were some big premiership games. Arsenal got a big win over Liverpool, although that wasn't on regular TV. Um, maybe you just took the whole weekend off of sports and, like me, watched Monsieur Spade on AMC. I feel like I'm promoting the show now, and I'm not getting it. paid for it. So um, the All-Star game, just one thing that I wanted to point out to wrap this up. We have talked a lot about the difference between last year and this year, and really it couldn't be more stark. Does anyone remember last year's All-Star game from a Canucks perspective? They went into that 14 points out of the second wildcard spot. They were 20-26-3 with a minus 28 goal differential. Again, 14 points out of a playoff spot. And Elias Pettersson was there, and so was Horvat, but he had just been traded to the Islanders. So they had also just traded their captain to the New York Islanders, um, and we had no idea where this team was going. There were debates raging on whether or not you should even trade guys like 
Pedersen and Hughes and Demko because it wasn't going to be possible to retool and rebuild this team with these guys as the core players. Um, you know, people were furious at how the Canucks were dealing with the head coach situation with Bruce Boudreaux. It was bad. The Canucks were the Canucks would often lead off national hockey programming, but not with good stuff. Now, what we've just seen at the All-Star game, it is incredible the turnaround in the year. The Canucks had five player representatives go there, plus their head coach in Rick Tockett, who, as I mentioned earlier, is probably the leader to be the head coach of the year. Mm -hmm. And instead of trading one of their all-stars, they picked up an all-star in a trade uh, for Elias Lindholm. Just... I know I keep talking about this, but I just really think we should all appreciate how remarkable this turnaround has been and how exciting it is to face this second half of the season. Well, I mean, it's the second third of the season, whatever you want to call it, and really look forward to the playoffs with this group. I never thought this was possible. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked I at ne- the... I, I, never, I never imagined this playing it out the way it did in my wildest imagination. I went back and looked at the historical standings from where the Canucks... I just picked arbitrarily February 1st of last season because we just the calendar just turned to February. And it is actually shocking to see how bad the Canucks were. Like, everyone knew they were bad last year. We all understood this. Their head coach got fired in a rather acrimonious way. Uh, the team looked like it was in disarray, and they traded their captain, as Jason mentioned. On February 1st, they were 20... 26 and three. They had 43 points. That was good for the fifth worst record in the Western Conference. They were in there with two points ahead of the San Jose Sharks in the standings to give you an idea. They had a minus 30 goal differential and they were in the bottom six in the NHL. And that is exactly. There was more excitement over Connor Bedard, maybe. Going to the Canucks, there was no excitement. There was a, I mean, and at that point, Tockett hadn't really stamped his authority on the team or his identity or anything. The biggest takeaway from Tockett's early days in Vancouver, if you'll remember, is the time he called the team soft. Remember that? And then he kind of walked it back, but kind of didn't because I think deep down he's like, yeah, it's pretty soft performance. They they just weren't good, weren't good at all. Now, there's two things you can look at here. Uh, One. There was a remarkable turnaround because the core of this team remained intact, and the core of this team that was so poor at this time last year has been fantastic this year. And by that core, we were referring to Patterson, Miller, Demko, Hughes. That's a core four. Let's go. Okay, they were all here last year. They're all here this year. Mm-hmm. So you could say, "Wow, it's an amazing turnaround from four guys that were on one of the worst teams in the NHL last oh, year." And Besser too with his turnaround, right? But yeah. I mean. Uh, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then I think the more important thing is that we, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, I pulled up the roster that Rick Tock had inherited mm-hmm. in his first couple of games as head coach. And it was like, man, this is not good. There, there are were, so many reasons why the team has turned it around. It's not, yeah. it's, it's not just one. Like, you could, you could go around in circles and talk about why. Well, I wasn't. I was making a direct road that there's two very specific things there. It's the core group has performed so significantly better than it did a year ago. And then the surrounding pieces got so significantly better. that It's it's almost like everything but, but, that needed to improve 
Well, they're, they're, but Pedersen and Hughes and Miller, they were putting up good numbers last year. Yeah, but it's not a numbers thing. No. It's 100% not a numbers thing. No, but I but I wouldn't I I would say that the team just has like way better alignment from the top to the bottom and that includes the coaching staff. Like so it's it's mostly for me, it's actually not as much about the core players. It's about playing a team game which involves the core players, but it's a, that's mostly a coaching thing, but also the depth. The yeah. depth is 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 way different. Well, we mentioned the trading of the aforementioned captain Bo Horvat. I think now doing the way that they worked out the Hughes captaincy that we're sort of doing this first half recap now that we're in the All Star break uh, just really handled brilliantly. Remember when they did it? It was well ahead mm-hmm. of training camp. Like we don't want any. Uh, we don't want any questions. We don't want any like lingering question marks hanging around we're not us. Gonna, we're not going to make a big thing about it. That was the other part of it. It's like, you're the captain now. And it was very understated, which I think played into the new captain's personality. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's just get out and play hockey. Let's just get out and win some games. That first game when they beat the Oilers 8-1, to you know, it was only it was only one game. But I really do think that made an impact on the season because... Remember training camp in the preseason weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. I remember going into that Oilers game going like, I'm not particularly bullish about this season. And in fact, I think a lot of the performances in training camp were kind of disappointing. You know, a lot of people were looking for a guy like Pod Colson to um, take a step and he looked not good. Yeah. And he was, and, and another thing that they did with him was like, they sent him down immediately. There was no waiting around for him. Sure, they, they like, didn't waste any time. You don't look good. You're going down. Um, and then as soon as they won that game against the Oilers, it was like, oh, my God, I didn't see this coming. And then they won their next game. And then they, I guess, had a little bit of adversity. They lost two in a row, and, and Tockett kind of called them out. But ever since then, pretty much, it's been like like the worst it's gotten to is like, I, I think they should shuffle the top six a little bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, like I it's It has been truly remarkable. So we can keep talking about that, uh, setting up the Canucks uh, out of the all-star break, um, but also anything else you want to talk about. I noticed that uh, the NHLPA chief uh, took quite a shot at the Arizona Coyotes and by extension the NHL for how that is all going on. Uh, Gary Bettman, of course, still protecting that Arizona market and still professing at least publicly faith that the ownership group can get an arena built. Anything else on your mind, text in to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. That might have been the shrooms talking.